Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, guys. Uh, I hope you're all doing well. Inshallah, we're starting off in just two minutes. So um, give us that time. In the meantime, don't forget to share this link with your family and friends. Uh, we have a very special guest here with us today, inshallah. And uh, we'll be talking about a very interesting yet controversial topic. It's become that for some reason now. So inshallah, we'll be starting off in about two minutes. So make sure that you share this link with your families and loved ones so that inshallah they can benefit from whatever we talk about today. There's plenty of uh, great stuff to talk about, so stay tuned, inshallah. In the meantime, I'd just like to say walaikum salam to everybody who is signing in. Uh, just a short uh, update for you guys. Today's session will be entirely in English, so please do bear with us on that. We have Brother uh, Daniel Haqiqatju with us from the US, so we can't be speaking in Urdu or Hindi or whatsoever. So we'll have to, inshallah, keep it to English alone. Well, how do you know? I don't speak that. I just assumed. Is that <laughs> or not? No, unfortunately, I can't speak Urdu. Don't tell me you're offended. Inshallah, <laughs> <laughs> I want to make dua that learn more languages in Urdu too. <laughs> okay, guys, I think uh, we are ready to begin. All right, Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, Wassalatu Wassalam, Ala Rasulullah, Wa Ala Ali Wa Sahbihi Jamaeen. Amma Baad, Fawzu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajim. Bismillah Rahman Rahim. Rabbi Shwahli Sadri, we are Sidli Amri, Wahlin, Ifrikan Mulikan, Yafahmani, Rahmatullah Rakatu, my dear brothers and sisters, and welcome to another episode of Saturday Night Live with me, Raja Zaul Haq. And with me in the house is Brother Daniel Hakikaju, who is the founder of Arasa Institute in the US. Uh, brother, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here with you. So the first question I'll take up straight away is this one right here. Uh, that is Brother Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Alhamdulillah, yes, I'm Muslim. Okay, Alhamdulillah, fantastic. So inshallah, now that we've got that off our chests, uh, let's get straight into it. So Brother Daniel, you know, we're uh, talking about, uh, today we're talking about gender confusions. And so the issue that we're uh, going to discuss is uh, all of these different genders that, that are now being thrown at us. And they're telling us that, you know, there are over a hundred genders. Some are saying there are an infinite number of genders. You can be pretty much whatever you want to be. I mean, if you want to be uh, an ice cream cone today, the, hey, that's your choice. You can become that. And people should actually treat you like that. And then there are certain talks going on about uh, specific pronouns. People uh, would like to be associated with different pronouns. There was some uh, legislative debate going on in Canada as well. They wanted to enforce that upon people. So all of this is being, uh, is actually, coming in in the media so i just wanted to have your take on this that uh why are we debating genders i mean wasn't this like a common sense issue up till a few years ago now it's become such a hype that you know we have to debate whether there are other genders apart from the standard male and female yeah this is the result of feminism and mm -hmm. the influence of feminism because one of the main ideas of feminism is that uh, you, gender is something that's just imposed by society. It's something that's just an idea. The idea that women are caring and they're gentle and they're feminine and men are strong and they're protectors and they you know, like to fight and things. These are actually just social ideas or cultural. They don't have any reality. And so we have to be willing to dispose of them, just get rid of these ideas, get rid of the culture, because really men and women are exactly the same. There's no, no such thing as a man and a woman. It's just people, just persons. We shouldn't say a policeman or we have to say police officer. We don't say fireman. We say fire officer in English, for example. So this is, this is uh, they're dissolving gender and saying everyone is a person and then you can decide based on your own, why should you accept what a culture is imposing on you? Just accept uh, whatever you want for yourself. This is the origins in feminist thought and now it's led to a uh, hundred genders or infinite genders, as you said. Right. And so this issue with the problem with man, I think they're now trying to, there are some activists who have a problem with that. I think they're trying to remove that from the dictionary somehow. And they're trying to say that, you know, everywhere, for example, male man should be a male person, like male man as, as in the one who gives you the male. 
male as in female me too and so even wo man like woman should also be changed to a wo person or something like that yeah, yeah. has to be removed i think they might do that to manhattan as well because it's again it's manhattan <laughs> yeah. so so the thing is now why why is this uh, you know this movement uh, why do we find that this uh, debate is now going back to the feminist movement you actually mentioned that uh, earlier on why would you say that so well this is actually um the direction of feminism mm -hmm. uh feminism is something that's an, a movement that originated with colonialism mm -hmm. uh over 200 years ago or about 200 years ago that the colonizers wanted to attack different from europe they wanted to, to attack muslims in north africa in the subcontinent in southeast asia they wanted to attack and undermine Muslims and Islam. And they figured out that one of the best ways to do this is to say that Muslims mistreat their women. Yeah. Muslims abuse and oppress their women. Therefore, Muslims should leave Islam or they should reform Islam and they should adopt European ideas and European standards of good treatment of women. This was a virus that they tried to inject into the Muslim mind to confuse Muslims and get them to reform and accept the influence of the colonizer. Then uh, those ideas leaked, that virus spread mm. to Europe itself and it became this feminist movement. So the ideas are coming from colonialism, but then it became associated with this feminist movement in the West and then it grew step by step by step. At first they questioned the idea that, well, should women be uh, in the workplace standing with other men and being involved in that kind of role? So their mm -hmm. first attack, the first feminist attack would say that there's no difference, there should be no difference in the roles of men versus women. They're just, you know, why this is oppressive. This is oppressive to women if men are the ones who are uh, earning wealth, they're gaining a salary and so forth. This is this was their initial. But even that claim is or nonsense. It's not like the man who is working, he's spending that money on himself or he's keeping it. It's he's spending on his family. He's spending on his wife. He's spending on his children. So even from the beginning, their idea was incorrect. But then it expanded. There, there, the theory of feminism grew in the early 20th, early 20th century by figures like Simone de Beauvoir, French thinkers, English thinkers. And they said that actually it's not just about gender roles. It's mm. also about gender identity, mm. gender identity. Even the idea of being a man, even the idea of being a woman, this is a cultural product and we have to get rid of it because it oppresses people and forces them to think and behave in, in certain ways. But this idea has been disproven. Uh, human beings, uh, Allah has created men and males with a certain kind of uh, mind, with a certain kind of personality, with a certain kind of uh, body type, our anatomy, our psychology, our physiology, all of these are very different between male and female. And this is the way that Allah has created us. So, of course, given these differences, there should be different roles for men and women. And they've done experiments. Feminists have done experiments when they put children, mm. male and female, in a room. And they say, okay, these boys, we're going to give them dolls. And we're going to dress them in the color pink. And the girls, at the young age, at just like one or two years old, we're going to give them trucks and blocks and... Uh, these kinds of guns and these kinds of toys. And we're going to influence them so that these boys, they're male, but they're going to become like a stereotypical uh, girls, uh, mm -hmm. even though they have a male body. But the experiment completely failed because what they saw, <laughs> the researchers, that the boys, even though they had dolls, they're using the dolls like weapons <laughs> and hitting each other with them and uh, throwing them like balls. And the girls who had trucks and they had blocks and they had these kinds of toys, they were, you know, sitting, hugging them and treating them like little babies. And <laughs> so they, even at a very young age, uh, these things are inbuilt. Uh, this nature, the male and the female nature is, is inbuilt. So, um, but unfortunately, these individuals are not open to changing their ideology because it's so dogmatic. It's become a religion for them. And they're not willing to accept that it's a baseless idea.
Right. Brother Daniel, I'll share with you uh, a uh, article here. It's from the New York Times. And it mentions that fathers can be valuable, but not indispensable. And basically what they're saying right towards the end of this article is that uh, fathers are not really, I mean, it's good to have a dad, but it's not necessary. And so you could even have uh, a household with uh, two mothers, perfectly fine. I mean, fathers are not necessarily, you don't have to be a biological father to be able to create an impact in a child's life. And this is completely towing the line of the LGBT community where they're trying to not just, uh, you know, basically uh, say that, you know, women have more rights and so on, but they're trying to make it seem as if men are now redundant in society, especially as, as fathers or caregivers. Your thoughts on this? Yeah, this is completely uh, baseless. It's nonsense. Uh, for many reasons, I mean, this woman, Jane uh, Mattis, yeah. is uh, the founder and director of Single Mothers for Choice. So single mothers, there are so many problems that have arisen in society in the U.S., I know for sure, from single motherhood, from um, these uh, children that are raised with only their mother and they don't know who their father is. So they're more likely to suffer from psychological problems, these children. They're more likely to fall into crime, to drop out of school. They're more likely to use drugs. They have all of these kinds of negative uh, impact on their lives. They're more likely to be molested by someone uh, because they're being raised by a single mother. They're also much more likely to have um, personality problems. Do you know that in the U.S. we have this problem with school shootings, mm. school shootings where some student goes and he shoots uh, randomly other mm. students? Do you know that over 90 percent of those school shooters are raised in single mother households? Wow. This is a, this is a fact. This is a sociological fact. So how can you say that the role of a father is dispensable and we can get get rid of the father. In fact, the father has so many positive impacts, as does the mother, as the mother is just as important. But you can't say that, oh, one uh, gendered parent, the father or the mother is dispensable. This is destroying society. Okay, uh, Brother Danny, I'll share with you another thing which uh, you probably already know of. Uh, but inshallah, just for the sake of uh, our viewers, I'm going to share with you um, here a uh, something that's happening in the US, and I'm sure that you're already aware of this, but just maybe some of our listeners aren't, so I'm gonna share it here. Um, now, there's something called drag queen uh, story time. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Okay, so can you just explain a little bit about what that is and what, what actually is the agenda behind uh, letting uh, drag queens teach children about you know, just different stories and themes like that. Yeah, so drag queen, for anyone who doesn't know what a drag queen is, it's a man, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes a very hairy, <laughs> big man who dresses in, you know, makeup and a dress and all kinds of a feminine costume, basically. And this is a kind of, uh, it's a, it has historically been a sexual thing, like a sexual kind of fetish that these people have, that they get excitement from dressing as they have, they've historically had their own clubs or bars and discos that they dress up and they act like women. Uh, so this has been like subculture or this has been part of the gay culture after the sexual revolution, but it was limited to the kind of uh, lowly seedy parts of um, of the U.S. in certain major cities. Now they're trying to mainstream it. Now they're bringing these individuals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're bringing these individuals, it looks like Shaitan, uh, yeah. into public libraries. So this is a public program supported by public money to have these individuals come mm -hmm. and in this outfit and sit with little children. And the idea is that we want our children to grow up as more tolerant, to be uh, more minded to accept that gender, that there's male and female and there are strict boundaries between them. 
this is an outdated idea. We need to be, uh, we need to move beyond that and accept the fact that there is no such thing as men and women. Everything is fluid. Everything uh, can be changed based on how you feel. And one of the news items recently was one of the these individuals, the drag queens, that was going to to public libraries, interacting, touching, hugging, kissing little kids in the in a dress. He turned out to be actually a child molester and a predator. And so this is this is the kind of thing that uh, we have to deal with in the U.S. And then you'll see in some of those pictures that you showed that the parents are in the background. The parents are taking their children to these uh, kinds of events at the library because, again, they're confused due to the LGBT ideology. Hmm. So, you know, one of the things that I uh, recently noticed was that uh, there was a, there was a young boy uh, who was uh, maybe affected by all of this subculture that's being created and uh, the kind of uh, stories and the issues that are being discussed in the mainstream media. Obviously, this is a problem that's more prevalent in the West as it is uh, not so prevalent in our part of the world. But it's I personally feel it's not too far away because we have now recently we had uh, a women's march in in Pakistan and there was a lot of controversy on that. And when you look at the uh, some of the things that they were asking for, you know, some of the demands or the charter of demands they had, one of the uh, several of the items on that list included rights for non-binary people. Now, a lot of uh, Pakistanis might not even be aware of what a non-binary is, but surely we know this debate has been happening for a, little, for a long time in the West, and it's created quite a lot of, uh, uh, you know, views from both sides. So I'll share with you here uh, a story of a, a young boy who was uh, who was basically uh, again the target of a lot of uh, controversy from that perspective that he is now a transgender boy who wants to be uh, you know start a dating site for trans children and this is actually again one of the mainstream news items and this boy this young boy only 10 year old he was actually taken to uh, gay bars and made to dance there in front of all the men and paraded there and so if this would have happened in any other part of the world we would think of this as child abuse but now in when it's a gay activist doing this or a trans activist doing this all of this becomes very educational it becomes a very good learning experience for the child I mean, how how on earth do we justify stuff like that? Yeah, it's shocking, you know. There and this boy, as you're mentioning, he um, is in the mainstream. So even popular TV shows in the U.S. that are completely mainstream will have him as a guest, and he'll dance for people and dance on these TV shows. So this is should be understood for what it is. This is child abuse. Uh, but it's, you know, it's being mainstreamed so fast. Even five years ago, you wouldn't see in the U.S., yeah. in the most liberal parts of the U.S., you wouldn't find anything like this. Uh, but think the culture is changing so quickly. And I think it's an agenda. I think that this is definitely an agenda that's coming from uh, certain parts of the culture, or maybe it's coming from certain elites within the culture, that they are uh, pushing this onto the rest of the of society because most Americans, non-Muslims, they don't accept this. They don't agree with this. Um, and if you ask them privately, they will admit that. But they've created a culture where you can't speak out against it or it's difficult or you're seen as being intolerant or bigoted if you say something against this. So unfortunately, um, I mean, this is a good opportunity for Muslims in the U.S. at least that we have to speak out and say that this is not right. And uh, non-Muslims appreciate that. I get non-Muslims who will email me and they will say that, Daniel, uh, you spoke against this LGBT agenda. And I appreciate that because that's what we feel. But we uh, as Christians, but we can't speak against it because we're seen as intolerant and even our churches are changing. So this is, I think, a clear agenda. And I agree with you that in Pakistan and the rest of the Muslim world, they're trying to push it. Uh, they're trying to push it there. You're talking about the Women's March, the Aurat March. They're, they have uh, proof that a lot of these NGOs, these non-governmental associations from the West, 
non-governmental organizations from the West are trying to operate within Pakistan and Muslim countries, and they'll print out signs and they'll print out slogans in English on on you know on paper on boards, and they'll give it to these. They'll pay the protesters a certain amount of money to go in the street and hold those signs or hold a rainbow flag or something to give the impression that oh this is something that's happening. This is what something that people organically believe, yeah. but in reality it's an agenda that. Uh, is they're manipulating people through money and through uh, injection of these values through the things like a women's march. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to share with you something because we talked about the impact of such things in uh, Pakistan. I'll share with you something very interesting. It's uh, taken from uh, a book that was printed and produced in Canada for the Muslim audiences there. And uh, here's the cover of the book, uh, which is called My Chacha is Gay. That's the uh, name of the book. And so what is the, I mean, it's, it's a children's book, first of all, which is the shocking fact of it because, and what they're trying to teach in that is that um, it's okay for a person to be gay because uh, love is a beautiful emotion. And if you love a man, a woman, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, love is love and nobody should be judged for who they love actually. So this is basically uh, the kind of stuff they're saying. And so, uh, it says PR over there in the Urdu language. So there's a picture of uh, the guy's parents and it says PR meaning love. And then there's a picture of the Chacha and his uh, lover and it says PR as well. And so they're trying to basically teach young children that it's okay for you to be uh, a, a homosexual or to have any kind of sexual preference, which is frankly speaking, very, very shocking if you, if you look at it. Um, because I saw this image, which I'll share with you now, uh, of a reading of this book taking place in an auditorium or a basketball court or something. And this is happening in Toronto, in Canada. Mm -hmm. And you can see, I mean, uh, that this is, I mean, from just looking at the ethnic uh, background of these people, it looks pretty much a South Asian or a Pakistani, Indian, uh, Bengali audience uh, there, for the most part, if not all of them which means that when they're having readings of these books, they're trying to literally brainwash uh, children into believing this kind of stuff. How do you think, you know, stories which are of this nature affecting children's minds, which are like sponges, affects them at this tender age? No, it has a big effect, a big effect in normalizing this. And that's the goal. You're normalizing it. And um, this has huge cultural consequences. It also means that Muslims who are listening to this stuff and they say, okay, my chacha can be gay, my dad can be gay, or my whoever can be gay, and that's no problem with it, then they're going to have a big problem with Islam because Islam prohibits this. And for very good reasons, on, on the previous uh, time I was on Saturday Night Live, um, we talked about that. Why is it such a destructive behavior? So um, they're going to think that, well, Islam is, Islam is against love. Islam yeah. is against people being happy. Yeah. And so how can I be Muslim? How can I accept this? So by presenting these things to children, it will have, it can have a big impact on their iman if it's not counteracted in the right way. So yeah, this is, and, and unfortunately you have some Muslim preachers some celebrity Muslim preachers who will also reiterate this message and they'll say, they won't say that uh, being gay is halal. They won't say that. They'll say it's not halal, but we have to respect and treat very nicely and work with, ally with these groups and we can't denounce this. We shouldn't say anything against this. We shouldn't speak about this. We shouldn't teach about this. We should just be quiet and it's okay. That's This is not concerning. Uh, Muslims. But as you saw, it is concerning Muslims. They're teaching it to Muslim children in schools. In the UK, it's a mandatory part of the curriculum. In London, in England, it's a mandatory part to teach children as young as five years old, even in the Islamic schools. Yeah, That uh, there's nothing wrong with being gay. There is nothing wrong with your chacha or whoever else to be gay. Uh, so then what are Muslims saying about this? Unfortunately, in the U.S., some uh, have decided to not only stay quiet, they've actually promoted these groups and they promoted allying with these groups. 
So this is the challenge that we're dealing with in the Muslim community here. Hmm. SubhanAllah. So every year I think uh, this problem seems to be growing and you know, it's, it's like if you speak out and if you speak your mind, you are uh, labeled as a transphobic, homophobic, bigoted, racist, you know, all these labels get thrown at you so fast that you might end up questioning your own intentions and you might start thinking of yourself as a racist, bigoted, whatever they want to call you, right? Uh, so And, and so I, I think nobody wants to have a rational argument or a debate as to the biological implications behind these gender debates and so on. Because as far as we learned from basic biology was that the sex of a child is not assigned at birth, as they say, you know, what sex were you assigned at birth? It, it wasn't that you were assigned a sex. Sex was determined at birth or maybe even before birth based upon your DNA, if you had the XX chromosomes or the XY chromosome, and then your genitalia or your basically body anatomy basically decided whether you were male or female. But now they're just trying to sort of confuse them. And I saw this report on the BBC that they were uh, teaching kids in school uh, in the UK that there are over 100 genders. And the poor kids, I mean, if you look at their faces, they were absolutely, <laughs> I mean, I mean, even the kids didn't believe what was going on. So... <laughs> I mean, it's really bizarre how things are turning out. Yeah, exactly. With uh, birth certificates, they are saying that um, we shouldn't assign at birth, right? So that, what does that mean? That means that even though all of the anatomy and the DNA and everything is male, you're not going to say it's a boy or you're not going to say it's a girl. That's the level of the confusion. And actually now there are some places in the U.S. where it's permitted for the parents not to assign a gender and and you're mentioning about like homophobia or transphobia yeah. you know a phobia means to be scared and uh i am scared like bring that picture of <laughs> the drag queen story hour i am very scared of that <laughs> and i'm scared that that's going to be seen as normal and my children are going to see that as normal so sometimes you have to embrace <laughs> the accusation uh, because there's a truth to it. SubhanAllah. Uh, a brother was asking this question that uh, why aren't the Christian community so active about it? Is this true? Are the Christian community active, uh, actively uh, pushing this or are they against it or not against it? What's your opinion or what has been your experience in the West? There are some minority. The minority of Christian groups do oppose it. The majority have accepted it. Right. Uh, but there are still some Christians that are uh, actively against this agenda. Right. So uh, I'll uh, basically mention uh, two names which I wanted to talk about with you. One of them is Ben Shapiro and the other one is Jordan Peterson. And there are others who are uh, academics or politicians who are basically, uh, we can say, right-leaning or right-wing uh, activists uh, who are talking about these things quite openly um, and challenging the status quo uh, challenging the mainstream narrative. So what would you say uh, is their take, and this is uh, your nightmare. Uh, <laughs> Stop scaring me, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, so I just wanted to get your uh, statement that do we treat such people as allies uh, in the West, or do you think that they have other objectives or their take might be different to ours? Yeah, I don't recommend allying with people like Ben Shapiro or or even Jordan Peterson. Um, you know, they might say the right thing that, you know, uh, we shouldn't accept this LGBT agenda. But, um, you know, that's a very simple thing that everyone should say. So it's not like they're doing a big, <laughs> they're making a big deal by saying what's so obvious. So, and they say many things are actually incorrect. Even though like Jordan Peterson or Ben Shapiro, they might uh, speak against Drag Queen Story Hour or there being a hundred genders, they still accept things like gay marriage. They mm -hmm. still accept things like that's part, that's the thing in the conservative movement, mm -hmm. uh, like the, the political party of Donald Trump, they have accepted BT, they accept gay rights, they accept gay marriage. Right. And if Muslims start, uh, adopting their the, the so-called conservative perspective will, will fall into that trajectory that path as well so it's best to avoid it and there's nothing that's going to be gained by allying with someone like ben shapiro 
or Jordan Peterson. Ben Shapiro, they're both also uh, very anti-Muslim, uh, oh. supporting Zionists, so we have no need for them. Okay, so I'll just quickly take this uh, question from Brother Hobby, Hobby Razi, I think, who's saying that what steps should we take here in Pakistan so that things are avoid, uh, avoided from seeping into our society? I mean, because in the West where you are right now, this problem is like at its peak, probably. Uh, over here in Pakistan, Alhamdulillah, we still have a majority population, which is, mashallah, uh, religious. People are religiously inclined. Um, and so people, they, they don't necessarily adopt uh, Western values that quickly. But still, there is a movement taking place as we speak that is trying to gear people towards feminist ideology, linking them to you know, LGBTQ agendas and so on. And even towards maybe perhaps in the next couple of years, I wouldn't be surprised if they start talking about uh, you know, 100 genders and so on. I mean, anything's possible nowadays. So uh, a society that's not there where you are right now, how would you recommend uh, we do at this point in time? People should just uh, keep speaking out. Um, be very clear cut on the issue and don't compromise because this is one of the issues or this is one of the strategies that they use. And if you want to look at how LGBT became so mainstream and successful in the US, I recommend you read an essay. It's very short. Maybe it's been translated even to Urdu, but it's called um, After the Ball, how to mainstream homosexuality in mm. America. And, okay. or, or, and actually you can write it on the uh, screen or I don't know if you can share it, overhauling, overhauling straight America. Just Google this. It's a free, you can find it online. Overhauling straight America. And they lit, give six point strategy for how to inject LGBT and to make LGBT acceptable within the US. And they say that one of the number one things is to make it seem like the like homosexuals uh, and transgender that they are uh, victims, that they are suffering, and they are really uh, exactly this is it. They are really uh, oppressed and um, poor. So have a media campaign that gives this idea that they are victims. Okay, mm -hmm. there, and also, yeah, exactly. Talk about them very loudly. So, like, when you think of the Aurat March, having yeah. you know rainbow flags, just very loud that is in the public consciousness. Portray mm -hmm. them as victims, as I mentioned, not as aggressive challengers. But the mm -hmm. reality is, they are aggressive. They're trying to change uh, society. They're trying to uh, indoctrinate children, right? So they are aggressive. Uh, make them look good, make them look like heroes, make the victimizer look bad. Meaning mm. the Muslims who are opposing it make us look like we're just racist. But this mm. has nothing to do with race. This has nothing to do with race. This is a behavior. This is a behavior that a person decides to do a certain physical thing or to dress, wear in a dress. It's not a race. But they want to they want to give this idea that there's no difference between being a person who likes to do a certain sexual activity or getting a, a certain sexual fetish. This is exactly like a race. So these are the strategies that they use. If uh, in Pakistan, Muslims everywhere are aware of this strategy so that you can resist it and push back against it, then that will be, you know, because they're trying to, they're trying to implement the same exact strategy in countries like Pakistan. Hmm. They are step by step. Hmm. So I just got a question here uh, from someone, they were mentioning that uh, it's more of an, uh, a fiqhi or an Islamic question that they were asking about um, if somebody falls in love with, for example, a person of the same gender, how are they supposed to deal with that? So I think uh, in Islam, it's not a problem for you to fall in love is rather what you do after that which is a problem so if a person is not if a person has homosexual thoughts that's not a sin in islam but what the sin is is when you engage in the practice of sodomy or you do actually sexual acts of homosexuality and so on and so forth but a person can easily uh, come out of this state even for example a person who's heterosexual and he has feelings for somebody again we don't say go out and you know express yourself and you know have your way with somebody you still have to offer some restraint and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he actually says in the quran he says 
فاما من خاف مقام ربه ونحى النفس عن الهوى فان الجنه هي الماوى the one who fears standing before allah and controls his nafs from vain desires for him is paradise so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to us that you know um, even though you might have desire for something it could be anything uh, but if you control yourself if you control your desire then for you is paradise and alhamdulillah we are now just at the uh, roundabout we were just you know just ramadan is around the corner and it is a month for us inshallah to practice self restraint uh, as allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that it has been yani ya ayyuhallazina amanu kutiba alaykum as-siyam kama kutiba alalladhina min qablikum la'allakum tattaqun there is a month in which we have to practice taqwa so if you can restrain yourself from eating and drinking halal food right halal food that's in the fridge if you, if you can re- refrain yourself from eating and drinking that then surely you can refrain yourself from uh, temptations and desires which are haram all year round and there's always a way out of these situations if you look at it uh, i mean I, i was i was reading some uh, studies by uh, psychologists biologists and so on who were talking about people who have these to- uh, type of things people who even might identify as, as another gender um which is in opposition to their birth gender you might say that a lot of these patients maybe 80 to 90% can be cured just by verbal therapy or mentoring and counseling and things of that sort then if that doesn't work then there is medicinal help that they can take and then there is hormonal therapy so you know if a person is you know having inclinations whether it's towards um you know you have a gender identity dysphoria if a person is you know confused about their gender or if a person has feelings towards the same gender and so on there's a way out of that it's not something that is permanently ingrained in your dna because uh, brother um, daniel you might remember that they were initially saying that you know just because i'm born this way are you going to judge me for that you know just because i was born this way and then lo and behold uh, the research came out saying that there is no such thing as a gay gene which basically burst the entire bubble of the whole community uh, what was the backlash in the us when this study came out i just want to take your uh, feedback on that very quickly well i mean they said many said that many of these lgbt activists that it doesn't matter um if it's this is what we choose yeah. and the most important thing is choice so i don't care if i there's a gene for it or not this is what i want mm-hmm. and this is what i feel and feelings are the most important thing so mm-hmm. this is exactly what you're mentioning how uh shahawat and this is what is and one thing to add to what you said is that um it's true that it's not if an idea like an attraction for the same sex occurs to you or maybe the desire for zina occurs to you um that's there's no sin on that but if you uh entertain it and you yep. ponder it and you just are constantly thinking about it and daydreaming about it and researching it and looking at pictures and then this is where it becomes sinful even if you don't actually do the action but you're just fantasizing about it and dwelling on it then this can reach a point of being sinful as well but um yeah these are real issues zin <clears throat> of the eyes zin of the ears and there are a lot of things that take place uh, in terms of our Uh, behavior which are not necessarily zina itself but it's something that leads up to that and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he already tells us in the quran that um, that wala tattabi'u khutuwat ash-shaytan do not follow the footsteps of shaitan so th- this is how shaitan gets you he gets you to obsess about something and then when you keep obsessing and then you watch websites and you go to different things then one step leads to another and lo and behold in no time you could be um, in a place where you don't want to be So I want to just share with you another story it's a very interesting one and uh, this is from <clears throat> this is from Canada uh some somewhere in the 60s 1965 uh a person by the name of Janet Raymer uh she had twins and there were two boys Brian and Bruce and what happened was that uh they basically uh had to get them circumcised at the age of 8 months and uh, when that happened uh one of the boys got his genitals destroyed a little bit because of the negligence of one of the doctors and as it would be uh what happened was that the parents they were now concerned that one of their son Bruce ha- is having problems so they went to this experimental psychologist who was uh, a renowned name in the field of 
uh, identity and gender and all of these things back in that time. He was a psychologist. And so he recommended uh, surgical procedures, uh, chemical therapies, and so on and so forth. And this is something that he was recommending, which was purely experimental at that time. Remember, this is still 1965. So he's recommending something that has never been done before. And so because he wanted to get his research through and he wanted to do all that, so, so he made them go through that whole process. So he believed that before the age of two, if you do gender reassignment, it can really work because his belief was that gender is not biological, it is societal. Basically, your parents and your surroundings and people tell you that you're a boy, you're a boy, or you're a girl, you're a girl, and then you just stick with that. That's what he believed in. So he wanted to test it. So he got the ideal situation where there are twin boys, um, one of whom we can now transition into a girl, and let's see how it goes. So this ended up being an absolute disaster. I mean, from every sense of the word, this ended up being such a bad, bad decision that the boy at the age of 11, because he got really frustrated, he was being given, he was being dressed up like a girl, he was being, being given girl toys and all of these things. And so what happened was that he really became suicidal. At the age of 11, he was actually told that your inclinations and gut feelings were right. You are, in fact, uh, a boy. And we had to give you surgery and all of these things. So when this happened, um, he was completely distraught. And by the time he was about uh, 30s, in his 30s, he actually committed suicide because he just couldn't live with that. And even his brother, his twin brother, also committed suicide. This is how traumatic this experience was uh, for the both of them. I mean, this is one of those horror stories that you will never find the left or the liberal elite basically talking about the gender hoax, they call it. Uh, the, the doctor's name was Dr. John William Money. He died in 2006, I believe. And uh, so now this is something that they've kind of you know, tucked away under the carpet very neatly. But it's something that uh, is a nightmare situation. And, and basically, when Dr. John Money came up with this whole idea, he was really celebrated by the West. The West really like loved him for that, that, you know, finally, we have a doctor who has made a successful transition. But a decade later, uh, they saw the results of that that whole experiment that it had gone so far south that there was it was pretty much the point of no return. And I heard that there was something similar now taking place uh, in the U.S. Uh, for the last one year. I think there was this custody battle between two parents um, over their son, whose name was I think James, who was being raised as Luna. I don't know if you are aware of that story, um, but there was a case where now this child who uh, Basically, he went to McDonald's to have a happy meal. And just because he preferred to have the girl toy rather than the boy toy, his mother began to speculate that perhaps my son, lo and behold, is transgender. And so she made him and, and her, the, the child's father basically videotaped him. And there's the video of him available on YouTube. He videotaped him saying that, do you feel like a girl or does mommy keep insisting you're a girl? And he says, no, mommy makes me dress up like a girl. She puts on nail polish on my fingers. She's the one who's doing that. So sometimes it's really bad parenting. I mean, if a child comes up to you, I mean, if, if, for example, my daughter comes up to me and says that I'm interested in basketball or baseball or I uh, like, Mick, uh, like Mick martial arts, I'm not going to jump up and say, okay, you're transgender and you're basically you're having gender identity dysphoria or something like that. But this is now what, what led up because... Uh, I was reading this uh, case study by a psychologist who was saying that recently the transgender cases have increased, meaning that in the last five years or so, there's so many children coming out and saying that they are transgender. And he believed, a very senior psychologist, I'm actually forgetting his name now, he said that most of these cases are simply not true because children at a young age, they could say anything. I mean, uh, as far as I remember, being a uh, being a six-year-old, I thought I was King Kong. I mean, so when <laughs> my parents now start identifying me as King Kong, and yeah. so surgery and make me an ape, you know. So, <laughs> I mean, what do kids know, right? So, I mean, so he is a saying, joke. Yeah, go ahead. I'll remind. I'll, yeah, go ahead. We just want to end on this that you know, um, children at that age. I mean, they they go through different feelings and emotions, and so one of the best practices is to just wait it out and just let things happen and once they reach puberty then we'll inshallah see what needs to take place yeah yeah i was going to say now there is king kong there are people who are trans species right they, 
Yeah, this is something that also exists. They feel like they're a cat, they're a cat or a dog, and they will even get surgery to start like have a surgically attached tail and to change their face. And yeah, this is something that is also happening. Because if you're ident if you feel like you're a dog or you feel like you're King Kong, then you should have the right to pursue that and change your body. Yeah, so this is what is real. And the other thing that you also mentioned suicide of, of that poor uh, boy and his brother, but uh, it's a very common thing. The suicide rate, uh, this is from the human rights uh, campaign, human rights organization that says that half of all the boys that transition to become girls, half of them have considered suicide, right. half of them. For girls that transition to boy, 30%, 30% mm. commit, uh, considered suicide. And the actual suicide rate is around 40%. So wow. it's extremely high. Uh, and, and that tells you that this is some kind of problem that they're suffering. Um, and unfortunately, the medical establishment and the society as a whole in the West is turning their backs to people and indulging in what is purely ideology purely a dogma that has no basis in any kind of rationality or science or anything. Or, and are there any studies that show that once you do get your uh, gender surgery and all that, life becomes better? Life becomes uh, amazing all of a sudden? And this is what they'll claim. This is what they'll claim. And any study that says the opposite is suppressed. And even you have many, if you just search on YouTube or on Google, the trans regret. They yeah, regret yeah. Uh, having the, this transition and they now they want to speak out against it. And you'll have YouTube will suppress those results. Google will repress those results because they don't want anything that contradicts this new religion that they're preaching. Yeah, so there's this website I'd like to just uh, bring up here. It's called Sex Change Regret. And it has um, stories, like literally horror stories, of people who got surgery done and they, they basically got it done for the wrong reasons or they re-evaluated their decisions to do that surgery. Uh, and so there's now this whole website basically trying to cater to all those people who are having regrets and now they want to go back to the sex or the gender they were born into, but now it's become very expensive for them because in, initially it was done for free. Yani a lot of that, and, and so subhanAllah, I was shocked to also read this, that uh, in the US, please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, in order for you to go through uh, gender surgery, I mean, you don't even need a parent guardian if you're 16 years old. I mean, you could just walk up to a, a doctor and say gender reassignment surgery, and you don't even need parental. But in order to get, uh, subhanAllah, some, some other procedures, like even tattoos or something, you know, to get uh, alcoholic beverage, you might need a parent guardian, something that's not even uh, temp like permanent. But gender reassignment, you could pretty much do it uh, on your own whims. I mean, this is uh, really bizarre. Yeah, you could even younger than that because uh, now what they're doing is that if a child thinks that he is transgender, the parents can't prevent him from exploring that. The ch the, if the parents prevent him, that's considered child abuse. They're repressing him. So in certain, not all throughout the U.S., in certain parts of the country, even this, the law has changed to this extent. Hmm. And so I heard this other report where now they are coming up with this term called babies. Have you heard that term? Yeah, I've heard it. Instead of saying babies, you have to say babies. <laughs> and so one of, uh, there were several families actually raising their child up, you know, gender neutral, gender free. No. Although and on their birth certificate, it says gender unknown. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> this is a lie. I mean, if there's any lie, I mean, how can you, how on earth can you say the gender unknown? I mean, Surely the, the child has an, has an anatomy. Surely the child has DNA. And so to say gender unknown, this is, I mean, how far will you take science? I mean, how far are you willing to bend science in order to please people's feelings and emotions? Yeah, it's just based on this incorrect, completely false idea that gender only exists in the mind and gender is only something that's invented. But as we saw with the twin experiment that you mentioned, with other kinds of gender experiments, that it's not just in the mind. It's something that is very deeply biological. It's deeply spiritual as well, because even uh, like the 
uh, soul has a gender because Allah, when we resurrects us uh, in the akhirah, it's going to be we're going to have the same gender. So even the soul has a gender, um, and but they want to get rid of this and say that no, it's just your subjective feeling at any moment. And on that basis, all of these kinds of crazy things are being pushed. Yeah, and I was reading in a biological report that there are basically your um, the DNA and the differences between men and women. There are it's basically the it's basically ingrained in every part of your cells, basically. And so there are 6,500 different ways in which your DNA affects you. So it's not just, you know, uh, having genitals or having uh, adrenaline or testosterone levels versus estrogen levels. Rather, it's very, very complicated. There's so many details. You have facial hair, you have bone structure, bone density, muscle mass. You know, so many things, pitch and sound of the voice and brain activity. Uh, Dr. John Gray, um, who wrote the book called Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, explained this. I mean, he spent his life trying to explain that men and women are different. I mean, we're different from a biological perspective, from a physical perspective, from an emotional perspective, from a mental perspective. This is an expert in this field saying these things. But now what they're trying to do is they're trying to say that, you know, men and women essentially are the same, there is absolutely no difference. Men can do everything that women can do and women can do everything that men can do and there's no such thing as gender roles and we can pretty much mix it up. And so this is now where we're kind of heading towards and uh, Aurat March in Pakistan or the feminist movement is also kind of pushing the same narrative whereby we're trying to do things which are essentially very unnatural. Uh, I'll just share um, uh, just a, a small uh, little story here about the transgender MMA fighter. Did you hear about that one? In Pakistan? <laughs> in Pakistan. This was, it was a transgender, it was a biological male who thought he was a woman, went in to fight the women, <laughs> beat the heck out of the women there, won a few medals, and then there was so much controversy. A guy's name was Felon Fox. And uh, I mean, this is this was like watching domestic violence on television. I mean, literally, and he is not even a very good fighter. Though. He, she, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't even a very good fighter. Somebody who was very average uh, man because of, you know, because men have a certain advantage over women in, in terms of physical characteristics and so on. And he's going out there and beating like the top level women as if it's not a problem. And so this is really, really. And so even the MMA community and, you know, everybody sort of, alhamdulillah, they lashed out against him. And there were a lot of... Uh, things that were being backfired but still i mean i would say that um you know this is how far people can take it you know we always had men's sports and women's sports and all that but now thanks to the transgender community and the ultra feminist views that we're seeing now they're saying that no but because he believes deep down he's a woman let him participate in the women's events and so this is where it becomes all becomes you know this joke becomes not funny anymore you know you, you thought it was funny till that point but then when you see somebody get beat up like that you're like, okay, so this is now very, very real. And you see the repercussions of this that's happening in our society now. I still think, I think it's funny. <laughs> it's still funny. <laughs> but yeah, there's so many examples in rugby, in some of these contact sports, in weightlifting. <laughs> it's, it's trans uh, women who are winning all the gold medals. They're breaking all the records. All the records have been shattered. <laughs> So I can't help but laugh because this is their own ideology, okay, is destroying them. Mm. It's their own fault. So this is uh, shot and fraud. It's uh, something where I think it's very funny and they deserve to get uh, what's happening because they, they're the ones who accepted this ideology and promoted it. Mm. And now they are facing the consequences. So, Well, uh, on the bright side, one of the... Women, I think I heard she did actually end up beating him eventually, that guy, Alan Fox. Oh, really? <laughs> and, and so the, the audience absolutely went wild. And there was a lot of uh, celebration that finally, you know, somebody did it. And, and, I, and, I, was, and I was reading people saying stuff like, you know, uh, even though the guy cheated clearly, but it's good to see a cheater get what he deserved. And so, um, I mean, it was uh, quite remarkable. Uh, Brother Daniel, I'll inshallah uh, try to now wrap this up with this, uh, that... 
what kind of advice would you now give to some of our youth out there, especially Muslim youth, who are listening to our conversation right now? Um, how do we proceed now? Should we basically try to champion social justice causes? And you know, because oftentimes when you hear the word social justice, it basically means trans, LGBT rights, and all of these things. Um, versus Dawa, which is to call towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, call towards Tawheed, call towards the Quran and Sunnah, uh, and that type of thing. So where do you uh, draw the line? How do we, how do we uh, maneuver in times like these? Uh, how do we define justice? How do we find what is truly just? How do we define what is right and wrong? Uh, do we use just our philosophical understanding and our assumptions about what is justice, what is right and wrong? Who decides what is right and wrong? You, we gave examples of like this Dr. William Money who had an understanding of what justice was and he ended up destroying uh, the life of a person. He ended up committing suicide. So many examples of suicides, regret. Uh, this is wh why does this happen is because their understanding of justice and right and wrong is just based on their own whims and desires, their own hawa, and that's mm. what's leading them to their own destruction. Justice is defined by Allah. Justice is defined by the Quran, by the sunnah of the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's justice. Uh, and so if we want to pursue social justice, it should be on the basis of what Allah and his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, have said, not on the basis of these kinds of uh, ideologies and philosophies that are constantly changing by the way this is not like a static thing they're constantly adding and changing based on their ahwa, on their whims so we have to be smart as muslims the rational the muslim has to be rational and see that look they're leading themselves into destruction we're not going to follow suit so this is this is my advice don't be impressed by what um, they are projecting, some of these people in the Women's March, because it's a foreign uh, project, it's a foreign agenda. They want to portray it as, oh, this is the path of progress. This is the path of enlightenment that the West has done. Now we want to bring it to, the, to Pakistan, to the Muslims in the East. The reality is in the West, it's causing a lot of destruction. It's causing a lot of problems, psychological, social problems, problems between parents and children and everything. Uh, so <laughs> be smart. Don't make the same mistakes. Don't follow in this path. And whoever is calling to this, whoever is promoting this, you have to reject them and say that, look, we completely reject what you have to say. We do not want this kind of ideology and we're not going to compromise. We're not going to give you an inch because they'll say, okay, fine. You know, we just want space. We just want uh, to be acknowledged. We just want the right for marriage. That's They want to make you compromise just a little bit. Then they keep adding to it, adding to it, adding to it. This is exactly what they did in the US because in the past, the vast majority, 99% of Americans and Westerners, they rejected homosexuality. They rejected this behavior. But because of this uh, agenda and programming, step by step, you mentioned khutuwat shaitan Step by step by step, they... Uh, they changed what became acceptable in society. Right. So inshallah, uh, I think it's been, it's, been, it's been fantastic having you here and to get to understand how all of these different ideologies are kind of interconnected. Um, I think what I understand from this is that uh, the youth of today, inshallah, our focus always has been and always will be, you know, calling towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, this has been the same mission of all of the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that uh, they wanted to call towards Allah uh, and to leave the worship of false gods and false ideologies. And I think a lot of times when we are uh, doing social justice work, which is okay, fine, when you're trying to help the poor and the needy and the oppressed, or like now, for example, right now, we have people who are um, dealing with the corona outbreak and there are people who might be you know, jobless right now, looking for jobs. Uh, especially the people who are working on daily wages, you know, helping them out, doing some social work from that perspective. But we never lose sight of the real thing, which is actually calling to Allah, which is, you know, da'wah ilallah, and to actually call towards the Quran and Sunnah, and to really hammer this point down that no matter what happens, no matter what the world says, because the world can say a million things, but for us, it's important to always say that, you know, uh, whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us, this is going to be of utmost importance. and 
that will never change for us you know so the book of allah and the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that will always be the way that it is so inshallah i think if we focus our time in studying the quran and sunnah more inshallah uh, none of these ideologies will affect us but once we move away from the quran and sunnah and we start reading uh, you know western for example people who are talking about these things and then so there might be that there is a kind of bias that might develop in our heart so i think it's very important in this day and age to find your little cave like the ashab kahf who uh, took shelter among and, and they were just youth they were youngsters who were grouped together and they were all grouped because of their belief in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so i think one of the things is to find righteous company hang out with right people uh, spend time with the book of allah inshallah to strengthen your iman and to listen to 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 more stuff like this on brother daniel's uh, uh, youtube channel and mine inshallah and the youth club page as well you can you can get all of this information there so brother daniel once again thank you so much for being here jazakumullah khairan may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you and please stay safe and uh, inshallah i hope that in the future we can also call you back for another session it's always a pleasure having you i just read in one of the comments uh, somebody was recommending that i should have you over to talk about liberalism and secularism next so inshallah prepare yourself for that i know that that's your area of expertise so inshallah we'll uh, disturb you another time inshallah thank you so much for having me barakallahu feekum all right guys thank you so much uh, once again uh, it's been really good to have you guys here uh, i hope you've uh, benefited from the session today please do remember myself brother daniel and all of our teams in your special special duas i will see you guys next week same time same channel until then wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Right.